Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. This week, I'm speaking to Camila McDonald. Camila is a certified personal trainer, a fitness instructor, and author of the Mind, Body and Spirit Lifestyle Guide, Wake Up and Live. She is the founder of the WellFit Club, a movement and a membership offering online classes that support women on their health and fitness journeys. Born and raised in Jamaica, she began her public profile through sharing her transformative journey from being overweight to winning Miss Beachbody Jamaica. She is the mother to a daughter, Kailani, and an all-round inspiration. In this conversation, we speak about how easy it can be to fall into negative habits that don't serve us, even when on the surface it may appear as though we're thriving. Camila is so open and transparent with her journey. I really hope you enjoy. Greetings, Camila. Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast. I am so blessed that you are here with us today. Thank you. I'm equally best blessed to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. I have to take a moment and just share. When I first had the vision for starting this podcast, it was to speak and to connect with women who have inspired me personally and who I believe will inspire many. And you were one of the first women that I had on my list when <laughs> I first dropped my like dream guest list of the first season of the podcast. And it's taken until the second season but you are here and I'm really grateful to be connecting. Power of manifestation right? (laughs) 100%. For people who don't know who you are it would be great to just give a little bit of introduction. Sure I am doing good I am blessed I'm alive I'm corona free. Yes (laughs) you know in 2020 we really have to count those serious blessings right? It's true. Um, I'm Camila McDonald. I'm a mommy. I'm a business owner of a a wellness and fitness club that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. um, I'm a health advocate, um, personal trainer, um, and certified personal trainer and sports nutritionist, and just a lover of life, man. Well, I first came across you through Instagram, uh, as has been for so many inspirations that I've connected with. And I give thanks for the technology that continues to be able to spread the, the good works and the positive messages. And the thing that struck me the most about your journey was your transformation 
and your self-awareness in being able to articulate how you moved from a place that was seemingly quite low in yourself to then transforming yourself physically obviously mentally and spiritually that would have been an undertaking as well to not only transform your body but to then go on to compete in Miss Jamaica and to go on to create the career and the life that you are now living which I think is a testimony to so many I wonder if you could bring us back to the early stage when you were in that low place and how you managed to move yourself through into the place that you find yourself now? So I, I grew up in Kingston, Jamaica. I'm from a, a very large, close-knit family. I'm the first of five kids. And um, I was a very active teenager. Mm. Uh, I was 18 years old when I left Jamaica for the first time. And I moved to Norway. I went to a multi-international school there for two years. And I underestimated what that transition would have been like for me. Mm. Um, luckily, I grew up in a very, very health conscious family and I didn't realize how much of that was implicit in, in just um, my understanding of myself and what I need to nourish it and nurture it. Mm. And what happens at a very young age, especially when we have parents who are guiding and leading us in the right direction, when we step outside of that little nest, and we are now forced with making decisions on our own and having to process things on our own. I find the Jamaican culture um, typically um, is is a very like mother hen, father hen. Um, mm. You're in that nest that's very secured and well protected. And I think that moving away for the first time, being the first of, of all my siblings and making that first big leap and I didn't go to USA like most of my peers did I didn't go to Canada I didn't do the UK thing I went all the way in the middle of nowhere it was 10 hours north of Oslo the capital wow. so I'm talking about some serious below zero degrees um, leaving my sunshine Jamaica um, to go off into this you know cold world literally yes. and I think it just really took a toll on me I think a combination of all of those transitions really hit me hard like harder mm. than I even was conscious of yeah and it was very difficult for me to adjust to the differences in, in everything, in weather, in food, in um, the stress levels of school. And again, I think, you know, obviously the benefits of being in a nested home is that, you know, you're protected, you're guided, you're nurtured. Um, I think the downside of that could be that I was very, very sheltered and I didn't ever have to make many decisions on my own. Right. And without even being conscious of it, I ended up turning to food. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was stress eating a lot. Um, I was not sleeping. Um, I, I developed some very, very poor habits. Um, interestingly enough, I was also thriving. I was the president of the school at that time for the year and a half I was there. Um, I started the first dance group and it was a Caribbean based dance group. And we were traveling all over the country. And um, I was very heavily involved socially. Yeah. And I find that I I do that um, just naturally. Um, mm. I, I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love to socialize. I love to, you know, converse and dialogue with different types of people from all over the world. And that particular school was 
was, I mean, just the most incredible experience. Um, we lived five in a room, um, a very tiny room, so two bunk beds and a, and a single bed, and we had five from eat from five different continents. Wow. Um, of the years. And so in my first year, I had a, a roommate from Maldives, from Bosnia, from Finland, um, from Sweden, and I was the Jamaican. And then in my second year, it was Belarus, it was, um, you know, Tibet. Um, and these were roommates that we were literally, it almost felt like a science experiment. That's amazing. And so it was this interesting dichotomy between being one of the most interesting experiences of my life, really and also one of my hardest. Mm. I, I didn't have the toolbox that I have right now. I didn't have even the, the consciousness of, of the fact that I was not thriving and I was actually droning. Mm. And one bad habit led to the next, led to the next, and I hit a very rough rock bottom in 2003. Um, at that point, I had already been about 60 pounds overweight in mm. that one year. So it was, a very, very difficult rock bottom. It's something that I feel passionate about sharing because of how alone I felt at that time mm. and how um, embarrassed and ashamed of myself for getting to this low place. Um, I also struggled with an eating disorder, which I also, you know, speak very, very openly about. Um, especially, again, because, you know, w when we feel alone and when we feel afraid and we feel like we're the only ones going through what, whatever it is that we're going through, we're humans, we're, we're built on connection. Of course. So I think that really was the root of why I began sharing online. And I began sharing before I even hit any, um, you know, big, huge epiphany or any results or anything. I started sharing the tough times and I realized that I was developing a connection with people who were also struggling with the same things. Yeah. And it, it's funny because at that time, that connection, I, I could tell was very meaningful for the people who would read. Um, I'm a writer and I process a lot of the things that I go through through writing. Mm. I don't think people understood at that time that it was actually therapy for me to share and right. to write. So I started that journey. The beautiful thing about being at that place is that there's nowhere else to go. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's either sink or swim and it's either defeat or victory and being able to rise above, you know, whatever it is that we're going through. I think the beautiful thing about being alive and being a human is that we have so much power within us mm. and it's just about learning how to access that power and how to understand it and to know that we were designed and destined to, to really come alive and thrive. Mm. And that these difficult experiences that we go through, um, sometimes, and most of the times actually, I like to say they happen for us instead of thinking that they happen to us. There are ways that we can use all of the difficult, the, the things that we have to learn. There was so much that I had to learn about myself that I didn't even know. And um, I just put one foot in, the, in front of the other. I, I knew there was no other way to go. After a while, feel like it was preventing me from being who I was and who mm. I am. I felt like the weight was weighing me down, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. And I felt like a prisoner in my own body, really. Mm. And 
and so you know after one too many breakdowns and meltdowns and for, for any woman that is listening and tuning in right now that can relate to um, how much baggage um, being overweight and you know just all of what comes along with that um, can cause from simply the frustration of not being able to fit in your clothes and mm. you know feeling uncomfortable becoming self-conscious and having body image issues and um, you know not to mention the other physical sides of, of it especially if you were somebody like me who was you know I was eating too many processed foods I was eating too late at night uh, I became addicted to sugar um, all of these things now affected everything else so it affected my mood it affected my energy levels right. uh, it affected my ability to focus um, it just affected how I thought about myself it affected my skin and so it was just like a explosion of just like a struggle it was like I was fighting with my own self mm. you know and that transition was a very difficult one because you know when we're about to delve into a serious transition like that uh, we want it overnight. We, we're, we're tired of being at that place, you know? And so making that first step, it, it, you know, we, we don't realize that it didn't happen overnight. So we can't mm. overnight. It's impossible. It's not healthy. Uh, we weren't designed to, to just make this, you know, transformation instant, you know, this instant gratification world that we live in and all looking for the pill and the juice and the potion and the... Right. The butter and the whatever they come the up quick with. fix yeah so I remember the beginning was the most challenging for me because it didn't feel like I was advancing in any direction mm. and um, I I got word after um, applying to several different colleges um, that I was accepted to my first choice in California mm. um, on full scholarship and congratulations for that Wow it was like you know fireworks you know it was like a new awakening it was a new found inspiration to find myself again mm -hmm. I wanted to lap up every single bit of that experience and opportunity and I had seen where uh, the experience that I was in in those two years in Norway it was inhibited and and you know I I, did, I wasn't I didn't shine I didn't shine yeah. to my full for, for me right yes On the outside it, it probably looked very different but Within myself, I right. knew that I was held back physically and, you know, just almost in every way. I try not to look back with regrets because mm -hmm. it did teach me many lessons. Um, but I would say that making this transition was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Wow. And, you know, here I am. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, we give thanks for the struggles. But seriously, I feel like that journey that you describe, obviously, in this scenario, you're talking about the accumulation in, in an almost unconscious way that then led to an outward manifestation on your physical body. And I think if anything, there's actually sometimes a blessing in that because there's an outward evidence that you can see. I am now looking very different to how I was X time ago. And that's also impacting on me emotionally. That's also impacting on my health. That's also impacting on my energy. And sometimes because the things that we're doing for our vices or for our self-soothing don't have as negative a consequence, almost like visually or, or physically, we can be um, desensitized and detached from the effects that's actually happening 
whether it's on the body level, whether we're self-soothing through negative foods, or even if it's just kind of negative self-talk, relationships that are toxic, like sometimes the motivation to change that can feel much more subtle and last for much longer if you're in a position where that's kind of invisible. And so when I hear you speak about that, it's like you found yourself almost in a different body. And that was enough of a wake up call to be like, I know what it feels like to be in a different body. And I want to now take control and make some choices that are going to move me in alignment to beginning to thrive. Absolutely. So where did you draw your strength? What was, what was it that kept you going? Like you described taking that first step was the hardest, actually deciding and having the intention to make the changes. How did you begin to craft your life with this new intention? I was done with the excuses that I was giving myself. You know, it was too cold. I couldn't fit in my clothes. I was too stressed. It wasn't the right time. All of these things. Um, my strength was drawn on just enough was enough. I knew within myself that I was destined for so much more than what I was giving myself. I was ready for the change. And that is one of the most powerful stages of a transformation um, when it happens here first when you've decided here that it's it's enough there, you will be willing to do anything you'll be willing to commit and I, I remember kind of delving in online now um, in terms of just okay what do we do what's the right way to eat what's the right way to exercise it was just a readiness what fueled me was not wanting to be at that dark place anymore um, right. not accepting that for myself knowing that there was so much greater and and that knowing mm. was it was a subtle inner voice intuition is a hell of a thing you know right. and um that gut feeling that inner voice that that tells you boy come this is enough like I, no mm. more pity parties no more meltdowns no like we got to do something about this i remember i went on amazon and i ordered about 20 different health books and you know i i was on a mission because i knew i could do it so my mom works with the united nations mm -hmm. and she got her first post um, international post and so my entire family so this is a family who had never traveled together before my right. entire family moved and migrated to Tanzania Africa Wow and I spent the summer in Tanzania just kind of grounding and um, you know just kind of starting my journey really it, that, that was where my journey began it was kind of like a healing for me in, in so many mm. different ways um, and then left Tanzania to California to begin college everything happens at the right time I think that's one of my greatest adult life lessons in hindsight right um, you look back and it's like mm -hmm. yeah that was supposed to happen exactly and, and um and yeah so it, it was just pulling on the strength of internally who I knew I was and mm. I wanted to come home to myself I love that Fast forwarding now to your pregnancy journey. I know a lot of women who've experienced issues with weight or with eating, there is a lot of fear that can come up when you are now home to another being. And 
you're eating potentially for two and then there's a worry should I be eating what I'm craving am I eating enough am I eating too much and then the fear that post-pregnancy there isn't the ability to kind of retain the you know the size or just the energy uh, or your healing of recovery um that you had prior pregnancy did that come up for you Oh God, you know what's so funny? Speaking about timing, I was kind of up late, too late, searching um, for pictures. In searching for the first time since being pregnant, this was just last night, came across my pregnancy pictures. Wow. And it was a, it was an interesting journey. And here we are. <laughs> How was that being? I really enjoyed being pregnant. That fear absolutely came up for me because I had already gained the weight. I think most women, um, the average woman, gains their big weight, you know, after having um, a child. For me, Mm. I was not going there. And so I think I was even a little much more tough on myself than I probably should have. And I was having the cravings that I was not giving into. Um, I had a very healthy pregnancy and I was determined to have it. Um, I also bought several books and, you know, just really delved into, um, you know, just what my body needed, what my baby needed. Um, I was away in grad school at this time, another Mm. school in, in California and also very far away from my family Um, so that was the tough part Um, it was another inward journey that was very important for me it was another becoming into who i am and Mm. um you know as far as health and and gaining weight and and all of those things it was very front and center in my mind because i was terrified um you know of of having a second weight gain i I just knew i i couldn't manage it and so i had a very fit pregnancy actually right up until the day i delivered i was running like i was a crazy girl in the gym i was definitely in there five to six times a week getting my training on uh it was a personal thing to me to, to keep it as healthy as possible and to feel as good about myself as possible after all the research i was doing at that time knew that this was how I could give my baby the best gift and the best start in life. Mm. So I did the everything. I played the classical music. I read to her. I uh, well, that was that was a beautiful journey. And because it was just she and I, I yeah. knew that from the moment she was in my womb and growing there, um, she and I had a very special connection, um, yeah. to which I still enjoy today. You know. Uh, and you share so many beautiful moments um, just through your Instagram alone of, you know, your proud, your proud special moments with the two of you. And it's such a pleasure to see you're doing an amazing job. I wondered going into that motherhood journey, going beyond the physical, what were some of the challenges in the earlier days in terms of that transition? Obviously, you were juggling quite a lot time-wise, mentally, but how did you navigate those early years? Oh man, it was tough. Those early years were very, very tough. I actually had a close aunt of mine who uh, was my mom's sister and she was battling cancer at the time that I was Um. pregnant. In fact, funnily enough, we were at 
the hospital at the same time and all my family had come up my mom had come up from Ethiopia at that time where, where they um, resided next and um, all the rest of my siblings were in California they were going in between floors Wow! So it was literally the epi epitome of just the cycle of life right um, but she was a very close aunt of mine and had been a very integral part of my journey it was a difficult time because I was dealing with loss death mm. as new mummies you you're so nervous you don't want to mess up you know you, you're responsible now for this very life that you have brought into the world mm. and uh, you know I was juggling she, she was born in February and I graduated in May wow um, it was a very intense two-year grad school program and I was breastfeeding exclusively um, and oh gosh it was I think the, the hardest for me was the, the, the sleep oh my gosh getting accustomed to you know just having to operate on like literally zero sleep um you know just really trying to find the patience and the love and the care even despite the fact that like internally you're melting down inside you know mm. and so, um you know also i was the only um, I graduated with uh, as the only mummy, new mummy, and so just kind of maneuvering through what that was like, not having anybody else. Um, again, back to the connection. Mm. Um, you know, I was the only one in my entire class who um, had delivered a, a child in our program, um, and so you know, it, it was a lot that I was maneuvering, um, a lot emotionally. Mm. Um, oh, it it was a lot. <laughs> It taught me all the lessons that I needed to learn at that time. Mm. It created that extremely special bond that she and I have uh, because it was just us. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I would have done it any differently, even you know, even now. Well, it feels like just looking from the outside, you continue to have this like insatiable drive for just turning up for the things that you've decided are important. And you share that you work out early in the morning. And I know being a mother myself and also supporting other mothers, I often fall to, well, you know, this is going to be the time where I'm not going to be prioritizing my workouts or my children need me to be here. And, you know, I haven't had any sleep, so I'm going to prioritize sleep. Or, you know, there's all of these conversations that we enter into about the expectations that we have of ourselves as women and as mothers. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody's, you know, dealing with different circumstances and has different level of support. But for you, there seemed to be this continued drive to just, you know, continue to thrive and to to show up for yourself in these particular ways yeah. how have you navigated the realities of a child needing you and still being able to show up for the things that you're really passionate and skilled doing yeah I, I think I'm continuously driven um with the inspiration knowing that if I am and when I am my best self then I'm the best mother for my child and that taking moments for myself is the furthest thing from selfish, which I think as natural nurturers and givers, you know, mothers, we, that, that's our nature. We, we want to give to everybody else. As you said, oh, I have to do this for her and this for him and that, that, that we give, we give, we give, we give. And as women, we forget that 
first person that we have to give to is ourselves to be able to give abundantly to everybody else around us. And I know who I am when I'm not working out regularly, when I'm not eating healthily, when I'm not sleeping, when my anxiety levels are at an all-time high. I'm not a nice person. Let's be real, right? We're not nice people like that. Right. And it's not fair, you know, it's not fair to the people in our lives. And so I have just always prioritized the time for myself to be able to to give to myself, to fill my cup up so mm. that I can continue to, to fill in others. And, you know, I think we underestimate how, how little of a devotion that takes, that it doesn't take this, you know, one and a half hours and in a big expensive gym with expensive equipment and you know six seven days a week we make much more of a big deal of what our bodies actually need and we don't remember that even slices even 20 minutes if mm. that's all you have we have 20 minutes if we don't have 20 minutes for ourselves we got to reevaluate something there is a problem something have a shift up exactly it can it can go so That is where we are going to leave the conversation for now. For me, it's already brought up so much, just how important it is for us to feel at home in our bodies. Our bodies are always changing, and especially if we're going through pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, we have to honor that our bodies will technically never be the same again, nor should we be expecting them to be. I'm personally anti the whole snapback pressure so many women internalize on the motherhood journey. But that doesn't mean that we can't find the balance between accepting and loving ourselves as we are and also releasing unhealthy habits that might not be serving us and moving in a direction where we begin to live in a way that helps us to feel our best. What has it brought up for you? I'd love to hear your thoughts. In the second part of this conversation, we go deeper into what getting intentional and committed to living your best life actually looks like. Until then, stay blessed. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach for more personal shares and updates. And you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.